You're listening to 91.7 FM, WSUW, in Whitewater, Wisconsin. You're listening to WSUW, 91.7 FM, The Edge, in Whitewater, Wisconsin. This is Rashkin Report, and I'm your host, Yuri Rashkin. Glad to welcome to the program Slava Rubinovich, direct from Moscow via Skype. Um, Slava has joined us on several occasions, is really a regular contributor to this program, and uh, I think a, a huge reason that uh, we are able to keep our audience as well informed as uh, we are. Slava, welcome back. Thank you, Ari. Well, uh, it looks like uh, the relationship between Russia and the United States has gained some. Uh, paramount importance and uh, um, how does it seem from Moscow where, where you are the sanctions it looks like uh, there is some talk of maybe even removing sanctions uh, where do you think this could be all headed it's becoming uh, really hilarious uh, um, it's like a comedy club it seems like Trump won the presidency not of the United States but that of Russia everybody in Russia were waiting for that telephone call with an anticipation that sanctions will be removed and uh, that Putin will score yet another huge political victory. Uh, like uh, in a kindergarten, uh, I would uh, hate to say, uh, with mentally retarded children. It, it's, it's really uh, amazing how the population at large deteriorated in its ability to think anything. And how are people, you know, people are handling, obviously, the turnaround of uh, the United States becoming a friend uh, from the Russian point of view is kind of cognitive dissonance because Russians have been told that America is such a danger and such a threat and the perennial enemy. Uh, how is this being perceived? Is this difficult to convince uh, people that America now may be our friend? It's yet to be seen, but uh, Yuri, don't uh, hold your breath. Uh, it always happens with a new administration. Uh, half a year, um, give or take, is um, um, honeymoon, and uh, after six months plus or minus, uh, it becomes clear that uh, America does not uh, allow Russia to invade other countries, to uh, steal money uh, in Russia and export this stolen money and launder it in the West. America does not allow Russia without consequences to annex territories of its neighbors. It does not allow uh, Russia to... Uh, kill people uh, for political reasons in his jails. So in about six months, um, Trump would be um, yet another enemy number one um, as um, Obama became one and uh, uh, many more um, of those were uh, uh, of the same kind of category in the past. So are there consequences? Are there really, you know, because I think sanctions are supposed to be about consequences, but if sanctions are just viewed as a bad thing in and of itself, and then we get rid of the bad thing, 
then, in a way, we're admitting that it's okay to annex other territories. Isn't that true? There are huge consequences. Uh, it is a matter of uh, understanding and uh, uh, presenting the facts uh, objectively, not the way these facts are presented on the Russian state propaganda television. Um, there are sanctions um, uh, up, uh, that are personal, so-called personal sanctions, against uh, specific people. Um, and uh, these are the most irritating sanctions to the Putin's regime. In fact, they began much earlier than um, uh, Russian aggression against Ukraine. They began with the murder of Sergei Magnitsky in the Russian jail and um, with the so-called Magnitsky Act and the accompanying uh, list, Magnitsky list, on which um, many um, or some of the Russian officials um, made their way in, into that list. And uh, the um, personal sanctions um, continued on after Russia invaded Ukraine and after it shut down um, the um, Malaysian Boeing um, MH17. Um, and uh, um, there are other types of sanctions which are economic, financial, uh, political, and military. And um, uh, these cost um, an enormous financial burden. It, uh, they um, cause general increase, uh, um, uh, multiple increase in the weighted average cost of capital for all Russian companies, not only state-owned companies, but also for private companies. The difference between uh, the um, normal, you know, quote-unquote normal weighted average cost of capital and the, um, the same with the sanctions, this difference is huge and costing uh, Russian companies and Russian GDP billions and billions of dollars. Not, not to mention and, uh, that, as you described earlier, it makes the whole market toxic. That's correct. Um, regardless of the um, fact that uh, this or that company is, um, is uh, under sanctions or not under sanctions, um, the, uh, the entire Russian marketplace... Um, became toxic because of this sanction uh, sanctions regime, um, and also um, Russia is falling behind in its uh, modernization drive. Uh, sanctions are supposed to deprive uh, um, Russian co state companies from uh, Western technologies uh, necessary to uh, explore for oil and extract oil in uh, uh, difficult uh, um, and remote places such as Arctic. Uh, same uh, goes about uh, shale, gas, and oil. Uh, uh, also, there is a, a ban on uh, Western technologies for the Russian military uh, industry, and, uh, and the latest sanctions of... Uh, President Obama, uh, in his last days in office, was uh, um, the uh, putting a stop to any types of communications between um, the um, uh, American security 
services um, such as CIA and uh, FBI and others um, with the Russian security services such as FSB and so on. So um, I believe that uh, the, it, it, it will cause and already caused uh, a huge impact on the Russian security services um, and uh, all of that taken together is, is obviously uh, not a good not a good thing for Putin's regime. Uh, it uh, also causes some um, disarray and uh, probably at this point uh, a, a secret, um, if not um, mild, revolt within um, the Russian elite. Um, but uh, you know, but the elite is so completely installed by Putin himself. It hardly seems logical to really expect those. They are just so much weaker. They really have no ability to form anything. They're all afraid that I think that the the, the other one will turn them in. And, I mean, it's just uh, you know power games, but they're not very strong. That's correct. But um, that's why. I have always been saying for the last um, two, two and a half years that the so-called personal sanctions, uh, uh, which were uh, instituted in the first place and then widened, these had to be really uh, uh, done really at a much larger scale. They should have been um, against, uh, let's say, 200 people uh, to begin with, with increasing that number by 100 people per month. And uh, once uh, the total number of sanctioned people reached, you know, three or 5,000 people, we would have seen a different picture within uh, the so-called Russian elite in terms of their desire to get rid of Putin. Sure, but... Um, here's what I think uh, American listeners uh, are frequently are not really understand the connection, uh, but uh, there is a, retali- a retaliatory measures that are taken by Russian government against uh, the Western sanctions, and they are interestingly and I think confusingly are not really directed against uh, the. West, because there's really little that Russia can do to influence that market, but they're directed against Russia's native population. And and that's really bizarre and has really dramatically drastic uh, negative consequences, such as the what was passed, uh, and Slava, I was hoping you could say a couple of words about this, uh, the... the uh, the retaliatory act for Magnitsky that attacked all the orphans from being adopted in in the United States uh, from uh, Russian orphans being adopted by American families, uh, which really just punished uh, r- Russian children or the food ban that is only punishing Russian consumers. Um, how can uh, what what kind of logic is this? Well, this is a logic of uh, um, bandits who took over um, power in Russia in a very illegal and criminal manner. And uh, there is even um, an internet meme here um, that to retaliate, in order to retaliate against uh, Western sanctions or U.S. sanctions, Putin will bomb Voronezh, which is a city uh, southeast of uh, Moscow. (laughs) 
So <clears throat> Putin doesn't care about uh, his uh, own people, his uh, compatriots, uh, the citizens of Russia, uh, Russian children, Russian orphans. He doesn't give a damn. Uh, he is pursuing this kind of a uh, Africa dictator uh, uh, type of uh, tactic. Uh, remember, in, in some of the African countries, when uh, Western uh, leaders wanted to put a stop to some kind of a genocide or um, stop some awful things that are, were done by um, some of these African dictators, um, they were saying, oh, uh, we have uh, eight uh, teachers here from, uh, um, from Europe. Um, we'll, uh, uh, we'll murder them um, because we believe that they teach our children bad things. We will murder them in, in retaliation. Or something like that. Um, so it's uh, it's the same kind of things. Um, the Western people and Western governments um, have a vague understanding whom they're dealing with. You're listening to WSUW 91.7 FM, The Edge in Whitewater, Wisconsin. This is Rashkin Report, and I'm your host, Yuri Rashkin. Um, my guest today is Slava Rabinovich. Slava is a very well-known blogger in uh, Russia, uh, and but due to his background, we're able to communicate smoothly in English as ever to bring you this, I think, uh, important and definitely relevant conversation um, about uh, news affairs of this world, but with a distinctly... Russian perspective, as Slava is joining me on uh, via Skype from Moscow. Uh, Slava, I think one of the similarities uh, that um, there are between uh, the United States and Russia these days is that both are governed by people who are, uh, first of all, somewhat unpredictable and really is another way to, of expressing this unpredictability. Uh, Putin has been described as not a strategist but a tactician. And uh, really, Trump is, if anything, is definitely a tactician as well because he moves so quickly and rapidly and really doesn't seem to maybe even have a big plan altogether. Um, so what, what are your thoughts about the, the, the similarities and, and, uh, and where could this lead? Well, um, it, it, the place of uh, Mr. Trump in American history is yet to be determined, of course, and uh, um, the, his presidency, however lengthy it um, may uh, end up, um, um, we it's too early to tell. But what can be uh, said now um, is the uh, vast difference between American uh, institutions um, and uh, Russian institutions in terms of um, the division of powers and uh, uh, democracy. For example, uh, Trump issues this decree banning uh, the entry to certain types of immigrants who already have been granted visas, and um, there are some of them who already arrived in um, uh, ports of entry and uh, denied, denied entry. Um, uh, uh, at, at the um, uh, at the border, and um, um, all of a sudden we find out that uh, um, the um, really uh, one of the most important branches of power 
the court system, the judicial system, is questioning the legality of this decree. And so um, some of the um, American people, uh, whether uh, one can agree or disagree with their views, they assemble and uh, they go to JFK airport and they um, uh, wage a, a relatively large rally there, a demonstration against uh, these presidential decrees. And then um, the judicial power is uh, uh, investigating and exploring the legality of his decrees. Let's, now, let's turn the table around and imagine this ever happening in Putin's Ru Russia. Um, the airport uh, or uh, international airport, let's say Sheremetyevo or some other airport in Russia um, of that size, uh, there's a so-called regime na objekt, a kind of a, a, a special place where uh, is guarded uh, and no rallies and no demonstrations would ever be permitted. Uh, they're not even permitted in, in, in the streets of Russian cities. Um, not talking about uh, kind of uh, a rally at their airport. And um, I don't have to tell you or your listeners uh, anything about um, the Russian judicial system by now, I think. So um, American democracy and institutions, um, they will um, find uh, ways to uh, put Trump in uh, a quite a narrow corridor uh, where he will be running and the corridor will be becoming uh, narrower and narrower um, uh, if and when he becomes more volatile. So, so you're convinced that the system will tame him and there is no taming of Mr. Putin because he, he runs the system from beginning to end and you know and the whole system's out of control anyway. Um, yeah, the American system will tame Trump to um, the extent that he may be impeached in the most extreme scenario. I mean, but why? But isn't it interesting that right here we're trying to figure out almost, I think, especially progressives, is why has not the impeachment begun? It's pretty obvious that they're bad things that uh, Mr. Trump is being accused of doing. And the effects are very severe. He clearly seems like he's doing something that he's not doesn't know much about, and and also true. But yet, no impeachment. And and I think that maybe the the reason is that we just don't have uh, people on the other side, so to say, the Republicans who are turning on Trump. And if you have Republican leadership turn on Trump, the the base will eat them alive. So they they have these, you know, and there's no such problems, of course, in Russia. Well, remember, um, um, President Clinton was not going to be impeached for having oral sex with Ms. Lewinsky. Uh, the problem was not in Ms. Lewinsky and the relationship with her, but rather in uh, President Clinton lying under oath. And uh, you can't really go and impeach Trump for this or that, which... Uh, may not be criminal or um, anything of that sort within his presidential powers, but uh, the probabilities of 
um, this process uh, uh, taking place uh, in some kind of a future, uh, this probability has increased with the um, various investigations, congressional hearings, um, Senate hearings um, um, regarding all of these questions that uh, have been uh, surrounding not only him, not only Trump, but also his um, uh, people on his uh, um, election campaign, uh, including um, their ties to uh, the Russian government. And uh, the more they are called um, onto questioning, um, the more they swear on a Bible to say truth, uh, n nothing but truth, uh, the, the, the more there is a probability that, that they will start lying. And once they start lying under oath, that's the, uh, that's the easiest way for a huge scandal um, or a series of scandals which may lead to these processes um, uh, taking place, uh, including a, a potential impeachment. Uh, but so far, I don't think that uh, one can lay out cards on the table and say that Trump has done illegal things or uh, something which um, uh, are counter to the U.S. interests and um, and get him impeached. It's uh, it would have been uh, too simple and too you know, the American American system doesn't work that way. It's not uh, um, it's yeah. designed. And do, it, do you feel you can't, you, you can't really launch an impeachment of, of any president? It, it has to be an issue, a very serious issue. And uh, the, the, those uh, those uh, political enemies of Trump, they probably are looking for these serious issues, and they are getting themselves prepared. In that case, Slava, would you say that you would consider Trump to be a criminal, even though he hasn't been convicted? Um. Can and the reason the reason I'm asking you this is because we have mentioned I I know on an occasion in the past where you we had a conversation whether Putin is uh, to be considered a criminal even though he hasn't been found to be criminal in a, in a legal in a court system and how is that important and relevant uh, but maybe that maybe that, <laughs> I don't know if that's a big discussion. Well, uh, you're raising a good uh, a good uh, point, uh, and this is a complex issue. But uh, I cannot consider Trump a criminal. There is nothing that uh, is of my knowledge where I uh, I could have uh, you know classify as a criminal act or um, acting in bad faith against uh, U.S. interests or. or violating the U.S. Constitution or violating the presidential oath that he took on the 20th of January, um, that there is no explicit or implicit um, violation in um, at, at this point based on what I know. Uh, it, it might be uncovered and it might be uh, um, judged to be uh, in the process which is well defined in the U.S. The process is called impeachment, but in Putin's uh, uh, Putin's case is completely different. Um, Putin's actions, um, at least since 
the 24th of September 2011 are all criminal. He is banned from serving a third term. Two consecutive terms as president is the constitutional maximum uh, for uh, any uh, president in Russia. But did and he change the law? No, he didn't. He didn't change the law. Um, um, the uh, um, Supreme Court in Russia ruled back in 1998 during Yeltsin's years that the president cannot serve a third term, that two consecutive terms are constitutional, constitutional maximum. And uh, when Putin announced on the 24th of September of 2011 that he is going to run <clears throat> uh, for his uh, uh, next term, the third term, when he was uh, prime minister in this revolving door circus with Medvedev. That's when the whole um, violation of the, of, the, of the Russian constitution uh, was made uh, not implicit but explicit. And in fact, uh, that's uh, exactly what triggered uh, a huge uh, uh, fall off in um, the uh, capital investment in Russia. If you take, if you look at it from the economic economic stand, economics standpoint and, and financial standpoint, you will see a huge dip in investment. Um, in all of the sectors of the Russian economy, in all the industries, in all companies, it, it's like a, um, um, it's like a, uh, it fell like a rock in 2012. Why? Because compared to 2011, um, it became clear that uh, Putin is coming back, and if he, he decided to violate the constitution in in the most gr grave manner, then uh, the whole uh, system, the whole uh, rule of law uh, is uh, under question and, and very much so. And once you don't have a rule of law and production of property rights, you know, there is no reason to invest anything into Russia. That's, uh, that's how investors voted with their feet. So once that happened, he took on a path of... Uh, unconstitutional um, actions that continued uh, uh, up to this day. And uh, obviously, annexation of Crimea and uh, um, the war against Ukraine and, in, and, and uh, invasion of Ukraine uh, from the east, all of this is a violation of international law. It's also a violation of the Russian constitution of which Putin is the so-called guarantor. So, I mean, nothing can be said about Trump um, of this sort of, or, or any, anything, anything like that. But in Putin's case, it's, uh, it's obvious. You don't have to be a lawyer or a constitutional lawyer or a criminal lawyer or international lawyer. You know, the, 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 you, you just uh, need uh, to have... Uh, um, a, a bit of a brain and, and uh, you know, the ability to connect uh, two dots, that's all. Slava Rubinovich, in conclusion, I'd, I'd like to ask you really just your thoughts on, there was a uh, phone call finally that took place between President Trump and President Putin, and uh, uh, 
we don't really know what was discussed, but what do you think was likely to have been discussed? What do you think they should have discussed? Your well, I think that, um, first of all, Trump had to uh, acquaint himself and, and to learn um, as a um, leader of the free world to communicate with other world leaders, uh, be they legal or illegal in, in, in the case of uh, Putin. And um, it is uh, very um, uh, important to um, note that uh, a telephone call with Putin took place after the first foreign visit of any foreign leader into the United States after Trump took office. Um, this was Theresa May, the Prime Minister of uh, the UK, and um, uh, the political course uh, that uh, US takes or UK takes in 99.9% .9 of all cases is not even similar, it's identical. Um, these are historic allies and uh, the um, uh, uh, policy of the United Kingdom um, in regards to Russia and Russian aggression is uh, very clear. And so um, it was very symbolic for Trump to host um, UK Prime Minister um, generally, but uh, in particular... It shows that um, the U.S. and the U.K. are allies uh, and uh, allies on the Eastern Front as well. In addition to that, you may note that the telephone call with Putin uh, took place after uh, Mr. Trump spoke with Angela Merkel, Chancellor of, of Germany. And uh, this was also um, very telling um, they also spoke 45 minutes, the same kind of a length of the conversation that, that uh, the following conversation with Putin took place. Uh, what did Trump discuss with uh, Merkel before speaking with Putin? I'm sure that he asked Ms. Merkel to uh, give him a rundown of the entire relationship between Merkel and Putin, uh, dating back to the early days of this relationship, uh, following through with the so-called the Munich speech that Putin um, gave in Munich in 2007, where he first, um, in 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 the for, for the first time in his in his political career, he started talking about. Um, the time to end uh, a, a single polar world uh, uh, and domination of the United States and uh, the um, special place that Russia uh, was to take in the world affairs and all this BS of that sort, which uh, he uh, repeatedly said um, once again on, on several occasions um, and notably in October of 2014 in Valda in Russia, after uh, annexing Crimea, after invading Ukraine, after shooting down Malaysian Boeing um, uh, flight MH17. And um, 
um, probably rounding off with um, um, the the latest Merkel's uh, impressions uh, of Putin uh, from the uh, meetings in Minsk, from G20, uh, from you know this kind of impression that I'm sure Merkel presented uh, in uh, quite an objective manner. And uh, you and I and, and your listeners um, uh, know very well what kind of impression Merkel has of Putin. And so they spoke for 45 minutes before um, this telephone call with Putin took place. But so I think at I, the same time, uh, Miss Merkel has to understand, you know, she has her opinion of Mr. Trump as well already. It's not like he's a blank slate coming into this. He's got, she she has to be, you know, she has a view on his relationship with Russia as well. True, but, you know, Trump is not a complete idiot. I mean, he would take as many There are different opinions, opinions that, on this. I mean, he was, he was collecting opinions on Putin and... Um, you know, wouldn't hurt. Um, but uh, frankly, I have no idea what, what Trump and Putin spoke uh, about du during a 45 minute call um, uh, in terms of, you know, the official line is they, they haven't spoken about sanctions. Would I believe this official line? In fact, I, I probably would. Um, really? You don't find that just reversing it completely would make more sense? that they did discuss sanctions, because what else is there to discuss? Oh, there is uh, a lot of things to discuss. Um, you know, and... and for example... The, yeah, go ahead. For example, sending Russian soldiers onto the... Um, on, on the ground uh, operation in Syria to fight uh, ISIS or something like that in exchange for some favors, in exchange for some, you know cookies or, um, you know, lifting uh, some sort of sanctions. Russia Russia has uh, so, so many types of sanctions imposed on it that uh, lifting, you know, some of that long list in exchange for uh, a land operation of Russian uh, military, uh, it, it might be not a bad deal for the United States. The only thing that I don't think that Russia has this capability. I don't think it does. The the entire um, the the whole invasion of Ukraine um, fell through, and uh, the uh, the occupation of the eastern part of Ukraine didn't take place because, in fact, Russia does not have um, fifty thousand troops that. Um, uh, first of all, Russia does not have 50,000 troops of this kind of training that can go in into a foreign land and occupy. Um, I, I, I don't think it, it has. And uh, the second point is that even if it had, it, it, politically, it, it, for Putin, it's impossible to have 50,000 troops uh, put on the ground in a foreign land to occupy and then have, uh, you know, 10 or 20,000 um, coffins coming back uh, to Russia in, in a very uh, fast order. I think it will be, uh, uh, this will be uh, a political suicide for Putin, even with the um, current uh, 
non-active, to say the least, state of the Russian population in terms of political activity. So um, I don't think that Putin has any kind of uh, troops to put on the ground in Syria either. I, I don't think that Putin has anything to offer to the United States, in fact. I don't think, you know, and, and here's where we're, I guess, okay, let, let's take this one more step. Uh, why does... Why would Mr. Trump care about what would be good for the United States? I think he has shown a pretty consistent, just a selfish kind of angle to this whole thing. You know, one per- one point of view. And uh, personal enrichment seems to be something that he seems to be valuing very, very highly, uh, and pr- as well as promoting his own brand. So there has been talk about some part of the Russian oil company, Rosneft, being handed over or promised to Trump, and I'm not saying that that particular deal is true or that particular deal is true, but the idea that Russians could take some of that oil money and just buy up just Trump, period, uh, personally, you know, why else? Do they need? And uh, the theory that I heard that made the most sense recently, and your thoughts, um, is that this would be some kind of a you know fake nuclear disarmament deal where uh, Russians can say that they will, you know, whatever, do disarmament, and uh, and uh, everybody in the West will supposedly like the sound of that, and that would be a good uh, reason to take off, uh, remove the sanctions. So could there be some kind of a fake-up reason when the real reasons are, you know, just personal benefit for uh, leader of the free world? Well, <clears throat> I uh, don't believe in conspiracy theories um, that... Um, uh, Trump uh, is controlled by the Kremlin and he is only looking for personal enrichment um, uh, while being controlled by the Kremlin. But some elements uh, of uh, this uh, could uh, be a risk factor in, um, in a non-conspiratorial context. But um, the problem here is that even if there were some um, selfish or self-enrichment uh, um, uh, wishes uh, or plans of Trump and uh, some people around him, such as um, the um, uh, U.S. Uh, um, uh, uh, head of, uh, of the State Department and uh, the former head of um, one of the largest oil companies um, and the... Oh, Secretary of first, State, Rex Tillerson. Exactly, and the person who who received a um, uh, state honor medal from Putin. Um, it may well be that uh, they had some some plans, at least um, on, on a commercial side of the relationship, um, but the problem is that they um, screwed up the entire, uh, if not conspiracy, and then the whole plan by associating themselves with the Kremlin or allowing the Kremlin to um, be associated with uh, with it uh, throughout all this uh, hacking scandals and other accusations. Uh, so. Um, there is nothing that they can do without being examined uh, by the, um, you know, by the journalist, by um, political forces. So that's again the test of the institutions. Well, 
Well, these are not really institutions. It's basically they um, cornered themselves. And once they are in the corner, this is a very specific corner. It's all under microscope. It's not, only, it's not just a simple corner. It's like a corner under huge, you know, microscope and telescope and what have you uh, that uh, and the whole thing is caused by all of this prelude all of this uh, that happened uh, many many months prior to his inauguration so all of that uh, I think blew up Um, and uh, um, I don't think it's even possible and in regards to this 19.5% of Rosneft's uh, fake privatization, um, even if this stake was designed undercover somehow to end up uh, under somebody's um, uh, uh, very uh, hidden um, beneficial control, then uh, it's in the same league. It's in the same corner on the microscope. I don't think that there are any shares of any company um, um, that uh, are watched for so carefully now um, as uh, this 19.5% stake in Rosneft uh, versus Trump or anybody close to Trump. So it's it's not it's not even possible. Um, um, so, so this strategy blew up, if if there was any. Slava Rabinovich, news analyst, joining Rashkin Report via Skype from Moscow, Russia. Thank you so much for, for joining us once again. Thank you, Yuri, for inviting. You're listening to 91.7 FM, WSUW, in Whitewater, Wisconsin. You're listening to Rashkin Report.